State of the Sun Devils with Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, and Mitch Vereldis, an Arizona sports podcast. Hello and welcome into another edition of State of the Sun Devils alongside Jesse Morrison and Mitch Vereldis. I'm Jeremy Schnell. ASU coming off a 29 to nothing loss on Saturday to Fresno State, and it was a bit of a disaster. I hold guess, on, hold on. Be. Can you say that score again for 29 me? 29 to nothing. That's the first time ASU has been shut out at home since 1988 when they lost uh, 50 to nothing to USC. Who is their opponent this week, Mitch? Is that scoregami, by the way? Is 29 to nothing an original NFL or football score? Jesse, has that ever happened Jesse, before? Do you have scoregami ready? That's really what I want to know. I don't know if they. Do Jesse, you're, you're kind of like our for... stat guru, I feel like. You know a lot of weird stats. Yeah, but I don't think they do score gummy for college football because college football dates back to, like, the 1800s. So, But we could at least ask the score people to do a quick search for us, couldn't they? Probably, but again, they'd probably be like, I don't really have a game. They're like, who is for... this State of the Sun Devils <laughs> podcast? Why, what do they want? Like... Yeah, 19. <laughs> I, I doubt there's much available from 1901. Mitch, um, obviously USC coming up this week. uh, Party. That's going to be fun. But you were not able to give us your post-game thoughts after the Fresno State debacle. What I told you guys was you don't need my post-game thoughts because I think you guys will sum it up just fine without me. But But I'm seeing on the show sheet it says Mitch's thoughts on Fresno State game. So Yes. I'm not going to scream and yell. I'm just (laughs) – look – there are. We, uh, to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but okay. to to that point, we didn't necessarily scream and yell either on Saturday. Yeah, we're just like it is what it is. It happens. There's a lot of there's a lot of injuries. That's not an excuse, but like there's a lot of injuries. So let's rewind then. I think right? I said something like awful, pretty loud. I might have screamed and yelled a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so let's rewind. Coming into the Saturday night, we knew a couple of things. We knew Jalen Conyers, the tight end, wasn't going to be available. We knew DeCarlos Brooks wasn't going to be available. We knew they were going to be without, what, three or four of their starting offensive linemen. Oh, yeah, and their quarterback. And then <laughs> we found out their starting quarterback wasn't going to be available either. But at the same time, we're thinking, okay, Drew Pine was kind of the popular pick coming out of camp. And then bad luck happens and he hurts his hamstring. Maybe we'll get to see what they saw in Drew Pine. Well... If that's what they saw out of Drew Pine during <laughs> camp, I don't want to see any more of Drew Pine, <laughs> respectfully. And then to make matters worse, Trenton Borgay leaves and then is later rejoining his team on crutches. Drew Pine turns the ball over in three possessions three times and then has to leave because he injured himself again. So then here we are with Jacob Conover. And even that one doesn't necessarily go well. But with respect to Jacob, I don't think he was necessarily getting all the requisite reps necessary to be ready to go on a football Saturday. So I'm I'm okay with that one. And at that point in the game, it was so far gone. So many guys were getting injured left and right. It felt like every time they had to take a timeout for somebody getting injured on either side of the field. So my takeaway is this. That sucked. Let's not do it again. <laughs> and then I look at the calendar and I realize, oh, USC's coming into town off of a bye week. This should be great, Jesse. Yeah, um, the USC game, not going to be good on Saturday night. I think it might be a little bit better than expected. No. But but little bit better than expected is like uh, something like 45 to 7. Do you think we're going to get a repeat of 1988 is the question. 50 lost- to nothing? Yeah. 
No, because ASU is uh. going to be able to score one touchdown on their defense. Because their defense is the 83rd defense in the country. <laughs> Maybe. It'll totally probably defense. happen when Caleb Williams is inevitably pulled from the game because they're Correct. up like 56 to 7 or Correct. something. I don't know. I, I'm saying it's going to, and this is a way too early score prediction, but I'm going to go with 45 to 7 because ASU's defense has shown to be pretty good. Like that, Mitch has a stat actually. Yes, I, I do. read just about, about to say, this. Let's get back on track real quick. They had, you know, they had a 29 to nothing loss and they turn the ball over eight times on Saturday. So that's a pretty good score given the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, the defense was on the field a lot. We are very well aware of that. You mentioned eight turnovers. This is per Opta stats. And this, this was discovered by a good friend of mine, Greg Mraz, who does PAC 12 stats and info stuff. The fewest points allowed off turnovers when committing eight or more since 2012 in FBS, Arizona State allowed 15 points on eight turnovers, which is the fewest since Central Michigan in 2017, who allowed 23 points off of eight turnovers. By the way, Fresno State got really good field position on every single one of those eight turnovers. The other three that got left out of the the five scores that they got, two missed field goals and a punt. And... The three of those came in the second half, which I think should give more more flowers to the defense for being able for being able to hold strong, especially when the game was practically lost after the first two quarters of play. Well, I have a quick breaking news here. Uh oh, that might help fix ASU's offense. Okay, hit Uh, hit us. This is from Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. Breaking: Kenny Dillingham is calling offensive plays at practice for the first time instead of. Bo Baldwin. So head coach Colin plays, offensive coordinator no longer calling plays. We, um, hmm. I, I actually discussed this yesterday with our good friend Jeff Munn, who friend of the program, by the way, very, uh, very uh, established journalist in this market. Um, but I was talking about this with him yesterday, actually. And I think Kenny Dillingham calling plays should be the way to go. He is the offensive coach that came in here as a guy that you're like, okay, he's going to be a quarterback whisperer. He was really good last year at Oregon. Um, Bring him in, talk to the quarterbacks, and have him call plays. He wasn't calling plays for the first three weeks of the season, and the offense struggled a little bit. Let's see what he can do. Wasn't the situation similar when Sean Aguano took over as the interim coach? Wasn't there a similar situation where at first he was – he was not calling the plays because he wanted to focus on being the coach. And then after a while, he took over the play calling. And there wasn't like an incremental difference, at least if I recall correctly, on how the offense performed in that week. This should be completely different. Yeah. With Dillingham taking over an offense where he's the head coach and where he made Bo Nix look like a superstar. And yep. Bo Nix still looks like a superstar, by the way, at Oregon. I think this is kind of the juice that you need, especially when you're down so many key offensive pieces particularly at quarterback, Jesse. Yeah, I I think it's a good move just to try to shake things up. I mean, when you turn over the ball eight times, I don't care what your personnel is, there's got to be some changes. You've got to try to figure out something else to do. And maybe this is a Hail Mary. Maybe this is something that... um, they're just trying out for a week, but you, you've got to just try it at least. And hopefully with Kenny Dillingham's background, 
that this, you, you know, helps the offense, helps them score points, helps them not turn the ball over. That's what you want. Um, well, we were going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, well, the football team, you know, may have been losing, but hey, at least they're number one in innovation, Jesse. <sighs> what is this, nine years in a row now? Number one? I love the fact that ASU is number one in innovation as an alum. Because I think that the Arizona State is quote-unquote bad at academics or a party school or whatever is totally overblown. I have seen much greater party schools, you know, where I'm from in college towns. The thing about ASU is, again, it's not a really in a college town. I mean, Tempe is a college town, but the greater Phoenix area is not a college town. So there's a lot more to do. So yeah, there's some students that party. There's some students that don't party. There's some students that go to the bars. There's some students that play intramural sports. Like it's What's a whole, it's a whole mixture of people at Arizona state. It, you can't just label it as a bad school that only cares about partying. So I, I hate when that happens. And this is the thing that I think that Dr. Crow has done a really, really good job at is raising the academic standards. I mean, this innovation award, nine years in a row. And I think people call it a bogus award or whatever. No, it's it's handed out by a legitimate source. Mm -hmm. And w what's wrong with being innovative? Like, that's a super cool thing to be number one at. However, the tweet that they put out on the Arizona State Twitter or X page or whatever they're calling it now. Phrasing. Phrasing. Phrasing matters. <laughs> ASU, repeatedly ranked number one in areas that matter, has landed at the top of another list. Again, most innovative university in the U.S. ahead of MIT and Stanford for the ninth year in a row. Take a moment to celebrate. Hashtag Sun Devils. Repeatedly ranked number one in areas that matter. Why? Well, like that, yeah. that just screams to me that we're not really in the sports thing. So I'm going to be the fun killer for like five seconds, and then I'm going to get back on topic to the area that we focus in. Yes, being number one in the areas that matter is super important for an academic university and a university that Michael Crow is trying to excel in an academic field. So being number one in innovation for the ninth year in a row, yes, that is awesome, and yes, that is an area that matters in the broader scheme of things. Correct. All right, fun killing over. What the hell is this tweet? <laughs> Coming off of a 29 nothing loss for your football program? Who do you think runs this Twitter this X page? I don't know, like but some kid, right? Like sure, maybe, maybe but do you think that sounds pretty direct from Do you, do you But think like who's the editor of this tweet? This is reckless. Who oversees this This is tweet? reckless, gentlemen. It's, sure, on. it's sure it's speculation, but it sounds pretty direct from you know, upper level people at the university. And I'm just saying, yeah, academics are way more important than athletics. I'll be the first person to say that. But people enjoy their sports and people want to have something to root for. I think for a lot of people, the sports is kind of what keeps them connected to their college years. Like, yes, there's really nothing else you can do after college after college yeah then support the this athletic programs you know you could donate money to the academic programs but if you're not super wealthy and 
you know, the most you can afford is a couple football tickets every year, then that's what you really want to see the school good at. So it just angers the alumni and I, I just make everything matter. Why can't everything matter? I don't understand why sports can't be good. Academics can't be good. The University of Georgia is maybe the best school in the Southeast or best public university in the Southeast as far as academics go. It is so hard to get in the, into that school. I had a 4.0 in high school. I tried to get into the University of Georgia and I was denied. Um, that is a great school. And they're amazing at football. And they've had some good other sports throughout the it's years. It's the same with the University of Florida. At, at the University of Florida, it's a fantastic school. I know kids who had over a 4.0 GPA applied to the school and still didn't get in. Yeah. But football is very important there. Basketball, also very important there. They have national championships in both sports, including, I think, baseball as well. I was watching, actually. So the Florida game on Saturday for football packed, you know, hopping in the swamp. I come in to the office for my Sunday job with the Arizona Cardinals and on the TV is a volleyball match between Florida and I think Wisconsin. It was a top ranked volleyball match place was packed. So like they were, they care about sports because yeah, their volleyball team was like number three. Just look at Nebraska. Yeah. With the, you know, but I don't know how good Nebraska is at academics, so. But still, I mean, like, it, it matters that to, to all these schools how yeah. they stand academically. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they're going to go and think that sports is not what matters. And I know we're kind of reaching there, but, like, it comes off that way, especially after the weekend that ASU Athletics had. I, except just, for volleyball. Except for volleyball. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get into them. I just feel like there's kind of a trickle-down effect with us here in Arizona, and Arizona tends to get a lot of transplants. I mean, let's look around the room. I'm from Colorado, Jesse's from Virginia area, and Jeremy's from Florida area. There you go. There's three transplants, and here we are talking on a pod about Arizona State Athletics, right? Yeah. You're not necessarily going to reel everybody in if everybody that lives in your state wasn't a big fan of yours to begin with, per se. So what can you do as a university to help exemplify... And get that fan base to become your fan base. Be good at sports. But the, then, but you have to put those sports on a pedestal too, right? True, yeah. Like, Florida exactly. didn't just be they, – they didn't just have fans and are a football team and they just fill out every single year. Florida's had some bad years. They've had some yeah. really, really good years, a couple of national championships back-to-back, but they had to build that pedigree to get there. Hey, and still, sorry to interrupt, if you don't think that football matters – there were still 40-plus thousand people at that game against Fresno State the other day for a one-on-one -on -one team that has no chance of getting into a bowl this season. Right. People care. People will show up. There were some people that stayed the entire game, which is crazy, but they did. It matters. It matters it to people. Matters so make to it matters people. Ma make it matter from the highest level up. Sure. Like, if you're Dr. Crow, yeah. I think the biggest step that he made in trying to prove that the athletics do matter, even though he was, you know, holding on to the carpet, getting dragged by his feet, the biggest step we made was going for the for the Big 12 next year. Yeah. Now, what can you do on top of that to make it more relevant for years to come? They're going to have to focus a little bit more on sports 
when it comes into yeah assuming that they don't focus the way we think that they do otherwise they're going to be the Rutgers of the big 12 yeah before we know it Rutgers yeah. is three now um, Rutgers is pretty good yeah <laughs> wait until they play a real big 10 team come on Greg um, Schiano just knows how to coach at Rutgers all right now back to the football stuff the stuff that matters guys um <laughs> qu- uh, all the quarterbacks got injured uh not including Jacob Conover, who was he was hit a lot in in the game as well. So kudos. They're to down like what four offensive linemen, four of their starters, right? I think it's six. Bowley's out for the year. <laughs> no Ben Coleman. No Isaiah yeah, Glass they, again. How like, many linemen start in football? But I'm, I'm saying like they're down six <laughs> offensive linemen. Okay, Just, that's bad. <laughs> to Mitch put added it, starters. To put it succinctly. <laughs> um, but. So both Drew Pine and Trenton Borgay went out with injuries. We saw Trenton Borgay after the game on crutches. Um, I, at halftime, or right before halftime, witnessed his brother, who was on the sideline uh, cheering on his teammates. One of the trainers or someone from the staff came out, got Trenton's brother, and brought him back to the locker room, which made me think, oh, no, this this could be bad for Trenton. Mm-hmm. But we got a kind of positive update yesterday, gentlemen. Uh, Kenny Dillingham said something along the lines of better than expected the tests were on both quarterbacks, which means Drew Pine and Trenton Borgay. So if we might be able to expect Trenton Borgay back this season, I think that would be that would be better than expected because it did not look good on Saturday. Or you just get a full season out of Jacob Conover at this point. I I think we all agree that we're not going to see Rashada take another snap, or if he does, it's only going to hit the... No, I think he'll play. He'll hit, like, the minimum, or the... What is it? The maximum threshold before you are no longer eligible for your red shirt, two right? Yeah, he's gonna. So, I think he's going to play two more games, for sure. Whatever those games are, we don't know. But we assume that maybe we'll see him again, maybe we won't. I don't know. But the likelihood is, is that Rashada's going to end up red shirting. So maybe get the most out of the quarterbacks that you have, and that being Jacob Conover, who just transferred, local kid, maybe give him some more reps. Drew Pine's injury, of course, it being the same leg that he injured with the hamstring, so that that can only mean devastating things for the most part. Not devastating, that was too strong of a word, but it sucks. And then Borgay's injury, the fact that he was leaving the game on crutches doesn't bode well, but Dillingham saying testing was better than expected leads me to believe that we might see both of those guys later again in the season. Yeah, I mean, who knows about this week, too. If it's just a muscle injury for Drew Pine, that means that he might be back this week. Who knows? You know, sometimes you pull something and then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I feel okay. So this is also from Chris Cartman at Sun Devil Source. Drew Pine took the first offensive team reps with Jacob Conover taking second team reps at ASU practice today. Okay, Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, it that i i would expect drew pine to be the starter now do i want to see drew pine no uh but do i want to see jacob conover not really i want to see Jaden rashada and i kind of want to see trent borgay we also but, like, there's no way that Trent Borgate comes back this week, right? I don't, no. I don't think so. I think it's at least a high ankle sprain, which would be four to six weeks. I think yeah. we also got to see the perfect example of why Kenny Dillingham doesn't like rotating between quarterbacks in a single game. Because Drew Pine was clearly rushed into the spot because Borgay had to leave because of injury, and he immediately turned the ball over. Jacob Conover then was immediately rushed into a spot 
and wasn't necessarily ready to go. I'm not blaming Conover in that sense because he was so far down on the depth I, I chart. I wonder how many times he's thrown the ball to right. the receivers. Especially to the groups of receivers that he would actually be playing with on Saturday. Correct. And then I thought I recalled seeing a Cartman tweet during the game where they had, what was it, their fifth string quarterback who's a non-scholarship yep. student yep. warming up on the sideline. Yep. And you just... You can only imagine how tough it is right now to be Kenny Dillingham trying to figure out how this offense is going to run when he doesn't even really know who the quarterback's going to be. If if Drew Pine is available for Saturday, they will most likely only have two scholarship quarterbacks available on the roster. That's crazy. To play against the number five team in the country. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, great. Uh, I would like the, the walk on. That would be interesting to see. I feel like the Borgay started as a walk on. Yeah, you know, you, you can walk ons can be good. Baker Mayfield was a walk on at Texas Tech. Yeah, but he started his freshman year. <laughs> he had a scholarship at another school. True, eventually, <laughs> but he walked How on. How did Texas he get Tech. that scholarship at the other school, Jeremy? Yeah, he walked on at Texas Tech. Um, no, but yeah, the the multiple quarterback system doesn't work unless you're the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. For some reason, they can just plug in Taysom Hill and he gets eight yards every time. He barely time. throws the ball. Yeah, but he gets eight yards every time. Before we get to USC, I will say that, you know, you want to see just one quarterback getting those first team reps this week. Unfortunately, from what we've heard from Kenny Dillingham, the team has had a practice differently um, last week and possibly this week because of how many injuries they've had. Um, so I don't know what those reps are going to look like and if they're, you know, Unfortunately, if they're going to be ready to play this number five team in the country. Dillingham is like Vincent Vega in that scene from Pulp Fiction where he walks into the the house where uh, Luma Thurman's character is. And he's looking around and he's like, where's that sound coming from? Where is it? Kenny Dillingham's just looking for anybody who can play on offense for this week because everybody's injured. Jesse. And he can't find anybody. Your friend, uh, Marco. Yeah, he works yeah. for Seneville Athletics it Wasn't now. he an offensive lineman? He was. Does he have some more eligibility left? <laughs> I think he had like two years left, but he just decided to go into media relations. Okay, we'll talk to him on Saturday to see if he has uh, any desire to get back into things. Um, we'll see if he's dressed. <laughs> okay. Phrasing, anyway. sorry. Uh, Whatever. USC, number five team in the country. They're pretty good. Um, Jesse, you, you mentioned that they're, uh, their defense not great. 81st in the nation. That's not terrible. There's like over 200 teams in the country. So, I mean, like... Not in college football. Uh, I in mean, the like, FBS. Yeah, I guess FCS and yeah. FBS are different in yeah. college football. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but they're third in offense, so that kind of balances things out, I would say. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, they're they're 3-0. and They're coming off a of bye week. Um, Can I emphasize how good USC has been offensively? Please do. Here are the three scores that USC has collected in their first three <laughs> weeks of the season. Let, let, let's be clear here. These are... Less than seven. I was gonna opponents. I was gonna caveat it. Hold on. USC against San Jose State put up fifty six points. The well, next that game was close in the first half, I will say. Hold on. Hold the on. Defense is bad. Hold on. The next week against Nevada, also at home, they put up sixty six points. Yeah. The next week against Pac twelve opponent Stanford, they put up fifty six points. And I get it. We're talking about San Jose, Nevada, and Stanford. But USC put up those point totals. And Caleb Williams maybe played 75, 75, and 50% of all those games. Jesse, yeah. to, to my point, though, <laughs> it's ridiculous. This, might be bad. this might be worse than 1988. 
I disagree. <laughs> this could be. I disagree. I Did think you watch that, the game on Saturday? Yeah, but I saw the defense play really well. And, and we're going to bring up the defense in a second. In I, have last some ideas. Year's, I, I have ideas. In last year's game against... <laughs> Put me in, coach. In last year's game against USC, Caleb didn't necessarily play his best game. No, and I told you that that game was winnable. It was. It was. And that, I, now they're that, better this year. Much better. Yeah. They have Dorian Singer from U of A who just transferred over there and is... Don't they things. have Jerry Rice's kid too? Brendan Rice, who's his second year with USC after transferring to Colorado. He's gonna go through their receivers. Taj right Washington, now. too. He's been the one getting the majority of the receptions for he's this a, team. Isn't he a uh, true freshman? I think so. Jeez, man. All right. So I'm gonna go through <laughs> I'm gonna go through like yards per catch here for some of these guys. Hit All it. Right. Make it quick. <laughs> uh I'm just gonna do three guys. Taj Washington. Nine catches for 233 yards and three touchdowns. That's 25.9 yards That's per absurd. reception. That is absurd. Deuce Robinson. That's eight, some Tyreek Hill type stuff. Eight catches for 186 yards, 23.3 yards per reception. And Brendan Rice, five catches for 124 yards, 24.8 yards per catch, and three touchdowns. Three of his five catches are touchdowns. <laughs> Caleb Williams has 12 touchdowns and no interceptions this year. And Dorian Singer's having a good year as well. And they have another guy named Mario Williams. Caleb Williams will win the Heisman this year. Oh, hold on. As long as Shador Sanders doesn't take it from Oh, him. hold on, hold on. No love for the lefty in UW? Come on. Michael Penix looks awesome this year. Overrated. Hey, you're <laughs> overrated. You know the Heisman. Is, the Heisman <laughs> is not only a statistical award, but a popularity award, too. Okay. And What's more popular than who are a the two? Who are the two most popular players in the country right now, Mitch? Well, you know what? If Travis Hunter didn't suffer the injury that he did, I thought that he could have contested for the Heisman. How many dudes are playing over 100 snaps and are splitting time at wide receiver and defensive back and playing both incredibly well? How yeah. many dudes do that? I'm really sad because, selfishly, I really wanted to see Travis Hunter play in, in three weeks. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like we're going to be... I got a that lacer was a stupid lacerate. hit. I, I'm I'm tepid with all of the information that's being put out there, especially stuff by Skip Bayless. But it does sound like an injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the month. Something to do with his liver. I Maybe heard. I. That's look, what I heard. I don't want to assume. That's what I heard. Especially when it's Skip Bayless. A laceration does not anything that say, that starts with laceration or lacerated does not sound. Especially good. when it has a range of could be mild to severely deadly. That's a range that I don't appreciate. Also have to condemn the death threats that fans are sending to the kid at Colorado State. Yeah, let's family. let's not let's do that. Let's not do that. He did a dumb thing, but let's not threaten his life. Come and on. Yeah, family. let's uh let's calm down. Yeah. Um again, now I know we we made sports to be important, but they're not life or death. It's fun. It's a game. Yes. It's supposed to be fun. Entertainment. Right? Correct. Also don't hit a player like that, please. But correct. Don't no hit anybody threat. like that. Don't no death threats. Um, back to Caleb Williams, though, guys. Again, he will win the Heisman, in my opinion, if Shador Sanders does not take it from him. But here's my opinion on him. And Jesse, it's stats too. We talk about this all the time. He holds onto the ball for a very long time. So what can ASU do to combat him from dicing up the defense and finding the wide open receiver and standing in the pocket? For so long, they can send blitzes at him, which they did pretty well against Oklahoma State. They got some pressure on the quarterbacks. They did well last week, six sacks. Yeah. So, I mean, 
here's what they should do. They, they're playing way too much zone and giving up the underneath ball. It's not going to work with Caleb Williams. You need to play man-to-man -man defense against Caleb Williams. Make him beat your best athletes. Roe Torrens and Jordan Clark are incredible defensive backs at the college level. Let them do their jobs. Send some blitzes. You're going to live and die with that, I feel like, this week. The problem that I worry about, particularly if you set them up in man-to-man, -man, is just how fast these USC receivers are. And doubly so how fast Caleb Williams is. I was watching I can't remember what game I was watching, but he pitches it to the running back and then Williams is running faster than his running back to set up a lead block <laughs> for his running back. And I just wonder, wow, what a great football player. What a great mindset Caleb Williams has to not only selfishly give up the ball, but then run faster than the position player he's giving it to. To then make sure that that guy succeeds on the play. Man, That's NFL, just absurd. An NFL team could really love that. Right? In Arizona. Um, Jesse. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, your thoughts on, on blitzing uh, Caleb Williams. I mean, I think it's a good strategy, sort of. But I might stick with zone if I were ASU. Just no. Here's the, no here's, zone. Here's Too the high safety. Here's the problem, Jeremy. <laughs> if Caleb Williams is not sacked and he just gets away he can scoot as Sat mitch said so, so wait blitz and spy <laughs> sure but then don't you leave somebody completely open i'm not a football coach i don't i don't know any of this stuff i'm just i'm just saying i think look, it'll work look can we just say that it's probably going to be an impossible task to defend this dude he's been sacked three times this year He's which, oh my gosh, 80% of his passes. corner blitzes with Roe Torrance. I want him to be the no, the, no, <laughs> those worked really no. well last week. No. I want, I want Roe Torrance to be the first corner ever to have like a seven sack season. I feel like that's been done before. Didn't like Charles Woodson do that, maybe, but again, Jeremy, <laughs> college football goes back a long time, so I'm sure that there's been somebody that's done that, but I feel like Dion might have done that too. Dion was a terrible tackler. He was a good matter. cover. He was good yeah, in coverage. Yeah, Dion's the cover guy. Yeah, he was. This is why Revis is better all time. Is because Revis. Right, let's Revis let's not stop. <laughs> Revis could cover and tackle. This is gonna this is gonna get aggregated. I don't and care. Now, and now Dion and now Coach Prime is gonna come after. Who's us. responsible for aggregating this stuff? You're the one that cuts all the clips from yeah, the episodes. Just don't, just don't cut the clip. Why not? Because I don't want. What if that I want smoke? Coach Prime to talk about us? <laughs> I don't want that smoke. <laughs> Let's not make it personal two weeks ahead of the Colorado matchup. All right. Anyway, anyway sorry, you Jesse, were saying something. Caleb Williams. He's really good. Can scoot. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> he can my... scoot. I don't really know if there's any way to stop him. That's my that's my real point here is play zone, play man. I don't really think there's any way to stop him. He's just that freaking good. And yeah, sure, he stands back there in the pocket for a long time. But seems to be working as he's completing about 79% of his passes this year, has no interceptions. So, yeah, it's going to be extremely tough for Arizona State on Saturday. However, I do think they're going to limit the USC offense somewhat, but like not all, like still scoring 40 points limiting. Is the ASU defense going to be better than Stanford's defense? Yes, 100%. Yes. Okay, but I wonder how much players. better. They got real players on ASU's defense. If they're healthy. That's, That's always the problem. Well, That's they, what I they, worry about, they, too. BJ Green's healthy, I believe. 
I haven't heard anything new about him. Yeah. So. Um, Jordan so. Clark, Roe Torrance, healthy. Before uh, Michael Matus, healthy. We're, we're going to get to our uh, game predictions. I need to say this to Jesse every week because we do it at the end of the episode. Um, but the last thing that I will touch on for this ASU football team is, will they win another game this season, Mitchell? <laughs> and what, what, what game, if, if any, would that be? Well, look, the one at the top of mind probably is the Cal game a couple weeks from now. But even Cal's been fairly serviceable. They're 2-1 and one to start the year. They've been fairly serviceable, and they have the home field advantage. First time ASU's going on the road this year is next week. And look, if we can't even figure out who the quarterback's going to be for this week, how am I supposed to predict far ahead into next week who the quarterback's going to be? And then the rest of the way, you've got Dion bringing in the Buffaloes the week after that. They're going to be really tested against Oregon and USC. Got to try and run the ball again. If they lose both of those, you have to imagine that they're going to come in hot to ASU to try and pounce on them. Then you go on the road against Washington, return home for Washington State, on the road for Utah, on the road for UCLA, home against Oregon, home against Arizona. Honestly, it might be the U of A game. Yeah. But that's two months away. That's the only one I look at and I say that that one is the most winnable of the rest of this, these games, Jesse. U of A is not terrible, though. They're 2-1. and one. Yeah, they're 2-1. They're and one. They beat uh, uh, underwhelming They beat opponent. NAU. Yeah. Which... And- I you think know. they beat UTSA. Was that the team that they played last Texas, week? Texas, San Antonio, or yeah, UTEP? I think so. UTEP, they beat UTEP. Yeah. Texas, I think that they will not win another game. Are we okay with that, though? No, no not really. No, I mean, it's it's <laughs> we, not we a all, good All three of us went to ASU. Right, you're, you're, not, not, you're not tanking for the number one pick here. Like, well, no, no, no. I, I'm not. Fra- I'm not saying like, are we okay with the idea of them losing every game, or if they lose every game because of the tanking philosophy? I know. I'm I just know. saying, are we going to be? Maybe I should have phrased it like this: Are we accepting of the fact that they might not win another game this year, and are we confident of the direction of the program after this year? I want to see next season when they have something to play for. Yeah. It it would it wouldn't be catastrophic, but it wouldn't be fun. The kids, the kid, the kids would be demoralized. Right. It would be sad. Um, and again, this goes back to the confidence thing that we've talked about with Jaden Rashada and getting him in there and and not taking him out, not benching him. Um, we talked about this with 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 him. It works for the rest of the team too. If they're continuously losing games this season, what is that going to look like for the freshmen that are going to be sophomores next year coming back and playing for this team? Um. I think they trust Kenny Dillingham, the players. I think they like Kenny Dillingham. And um, I think they're going to buy into his system. It's just next year is going to be a prove-it year, for sure. Going into a new conference in year one, the year after a postseason ban, the year after where you have what could end up being maybe your worst winning or your worst season when it comes to win totals in a long, long time. I haven't done the actual research. But, I mean, they won three games last year. And there were circumstances around that. They have won so far three weeks in. There's already circumstances around this one. I'm not going to say, like, don't get your hopes up the rest of the way. I'm just saying brace for impact, I guess. Because the USC game is probably going to go rough because of a lot of external factors. And then I can't predict the Cal game, which I thought would have been the easy one to bag. But circumstances have kind of changed that. 
Can we, we thought- get to this halftime show, Mitch? That's yeah, be on yeah. I thought this was pretty cool. They, th- I think they announced it a few weeks ago, but then we got a note again, courtesy of our folks with Sun Devil Athletics. Thanks to a generous gift from the, I hope I pronounced this right, the Sweat family, ASU Design and Art students are working closely with Nova Sky Stories, a company whose drone shows have turned heads at the Super Bowl and the Olympics. Together, they're going to create a special halftime show for the September 23rd game against USC that you won't want to miss, which sounds to me like drone show. That's going to be really exciting. That's going to be awesome. I'm excited for the drone show. I've I've seen a drone show in person, actually. I've seen drone racing. Yeah, you drone have. racing. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's, it's a, a thing. It's, it's on thing. Uh, NBC, right? Uh, wow. I don't know where it's on now because NBC it Sports be Network NBC doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Can we get to volleyball too? Yeah, <laughs> Jesse's just amped up for all the things that aren't the football team Jesse, right now. Thursday, <laughs> big game, oh, huge game match. on Thursday. Sorry, match. There's there's games within the match. Phrase so. correct. Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, huge match on Thursday between Arizona and. ASU now Arizona, the, the game's only big because it's a rivalry game and it starts conference play. Of course, but because you know U of A is not as good as ASU, but ASU is twelve and zero now. They haven't lost a set in six matches. <laughs> a set in six matches. Like nice. the JJ Van Neal era is going excellently, and I know that we people like to. Get on Ray Anderson, but what a hire so far. Now I got to see what Pac-12 play does. But yeah, they had the Offensive Player of the Week and Marta Levinska. And they're playing in Mullet Arena now. So that's got to be a good recruiting tool. I don't know how many Pac-12 volleyball schools have, you know, I know they're going to be in the Big 12. I don't know how many Big 12 volleyball schools have an arena as nice as Mullet Arena to play in. So this is exciting. This is going to be, you know, uh, a a good sport to follow this season if if you're an ASU fan. Like if you're looking for another way to support the athletics programs, it's through all the Olympic sports. I mean, hockey's going to get rolling soon, and we know baseball season, softball season, those come around next year. But this volleyball team is nails right now, the way that they're playing. And what better way to start showing your support for a volleyball team than one when they're twelve and zero, and two when they're facing U of A, and three when they're playing in that really, really nice mullet arena? I don't know if you guys have been. It is. I have. Gorgeous. That game, that match is at seven p.m. That's Thursday at Mullet Arena against five and six Arizona. All right, uh, let's finish this off by going around Sundell Athletics and then giving our game picks. Triathlon finished second place out at. out of six in Fort Worth on Sunday. Solid. Soccer is 5-1-3 and three after a 3-0 win over Colorado College on Friday. They open up Pac-12 play with Oregon State on Friday in Tempe at 7 p.m. Make sure to go out to Sun Devil Soccer Complex for that. Praying for no lightning delay, of course. Exactly. Again. That seems to moved, happen all the time. I think we've moved past the monsoon season. But has the lightning moved past Arizona? I don't know. That's what I want to know. Mitch, what's the score? Who's winning Saturday, ASU, USC? Let me just refer again to the scores that USC has put up in their first three games of the season. <laughs> USC <laughs> has scored 56 in game one, 66 in game two, 56 in game three. Yes, all inferior opponents, but that's kind of how this game is being viewed. It's a 33 and a half point spread in favor of USC. 
in Tempe. I don't think that this one's going to be close either. Give me 49 to 10. I'm going to go 45 to 7 USC. I'm going to go 56 to 7 USC. Okay. That's a lot of points. Yeah. I don't think Dario's getting a field goal in my situation. I like that. Okay. (laughs) He's gotten one this year. Well, he needs another. He might he might have gotten one against uh, Oklahoma State. I have to go back and look. Uh, no, he didn't because they didn't they just they, score they had two touchdowns yeah. with yeah. one yeah. of them with being a two, a two, two point. point conversion. Yep. Ah, poor Dario. <laughs> didn't I have ASU getting twenty five points on Saturday? I was supposed. Yeah, that that was my game pick. That look, I had them getting twenty five. I, I, I had them beating Fresno State. Yeah, I had them winning too, them losing, and I'm so. starting to think I should just veer off of my preseason predictions at this. Yeah, point. my preseason prediction. I had them. With an upset over USC, and then they go on the road and lose at Cal because that's a very Arizona State thing to do. But this, I feel like, is a lesser Arizona State team. So they're just going to get rolled by a lot of these teams, unfortunately. The Anderson and Healy Show is every Tuesday on the Arizona Sports app and ArizonaSports.com. You can check that out tonight. Sparky's Den with Kenny Dillingham. That's Wednesdays, 7 p.m. on Arizona Sports 98.7. And that's uh, live at the Tempe Dave & Busters. I forgot to put that in there. So if you want to go watch the show live, you can do that at the uh, Tempe Dave & Busters. Activate the Valley, of course, with Kenny Dillingham. That's Fridays at 7 a.m. on Bickley & Murata on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And then game is on Saturday at 7.30. That's a kickoff se- kickoff set for 7.30, excuse me. Coverage starts at 5 on Arizona Sports. And then, of course, you can follow us on X at AZ Sports Devils. You can also find the podcast on Arizona Sports app and ArizonaSports.com or wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, you can always watch us on YouTube. Hey, wave, guys. On the Arizona Sports YouTube channel. Which camera? I forget. You're, 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 uh, you're that camera. This Jesse, one with the blue light camera. on. I'm, I'm that camera. Hi, everyone. You can watch <laughs> us on YouTube on the Arizona Sports YouTube page. We do every single podcast as a video podcast, video cast, whatever you want to call it. So please check that out as well. That's going to do it for this edition of State of the Sun Devils. Thank you so much for listening. For Jesse Morrison and Mitch Ferreldis, I'm Jeremy Schnell. We'll talk to you on Saturday.